0: And by Sheward & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas.
1: From Machellers Wine Market in Lafayette, we're Out to Lunch with creative consultant Aileen Bennett.
2: Hi, I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. For most of human history, we've looked to our political leaders to bring about change. We can go all the way back to Caesar, Napoleon, Churchill and Lincoln. Since the Industrial Revolution, we've been able to add the names of business leaders who've radically changed our world. Henry Ford, Sam Walton, Steve Jobs, currently Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are changing everything from groceries to space travel. On a smaller scale, here in Acadiana, individuals in business are having an impact on our lives. Sean Robinson moved here from New Jersey because his wife, Dr. Dr. Natalie Harder took over as Chancellor of South Louisiana Community College. Cian had a background in business development and landed a job here in Lafayette as Executive Director of Lafayette General Foundation. The foundation is a nonprofit organization that funds community health initiatives to improve how healthcare is delivered and to create new healthcare methods and medical technology for the future. Though it's been around for 110 years, Lafayette General Health is a community health system that had never had a foundation to financially support it until Cian Robinson came along. Cian's current position at Lafayette General Health System is Executive Director of Innovation, Research and Real Estate Investments. Cian, you're making real changes to Acadiana Healthcare. Welcome to Out to Lunch.
1: Hey Aileen, how are you?
2: Dr. Ryan Carceres comes from Scott, Louisiana. Ryan graduated from the University of Houston in 2011. Instead of joining an existing medical clinic, he came home to Scott and in 2013 founded Scott Eye Care. Ryan is the only eye doctor who's ever had a clinic in Scott. In business, being the first and only can go one of two ways. Either you find out there's a good reason there are no businesses like yours, or it's just what everyone has been waiting for. Luckily for Ryan, Scott Icare has turned out to be the latter. So many people in the medically underserved populations in Rain, Crowley, and Church Point make the trek to Scott that Scott Icare now has two doctors and is looking to expand. Ryan, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Sian, there aren't many things all Americans agree on. In fact, there seem to be fewer every day. But one thing we all do agree on is that healthcare is too expensive. And so it seems to be something of a contradiction that a healthcare provider, which is presumably the organization we're paying too much money to, needs other streams of income. Lafayette General has a non-profit foundation to fund it, and that has a real estate and innovation division which you head up. So two questions to kick off. One, why does Lafayette General need alternative revenue streams outside of medicine? And two, do these revenue streams allow Lafayette General to lower their rates to patients and insurance companies?
1: So let's take the first one. Um, when people think of who we are, they think Lafayette General is this gigantic organization. And in fact, after we invest in our people, our technology, our infrastructure, our buildings, we're lucky if we have 1% of that left over. And so what we need to do, and and a 1% margin for any business owner out there- That would would make no sense at all. It makes zero sense whatsoever, hence the non-for-profit designation. And so what we end up having to do is we use the foundation as a mechanism to do for the health system what it sometimes can't do for itself through its own operations. Uh, And since we've been there uh, three or four years, we've taken it from raising about $250,000 a year to $3 million a year. Some of the projects that we wouldn't have been able to do without external funding are Stuff like telemedicine to the school systems, to the schoolroom. And right now we're rolling out telemedicine units to all schools in uh, St. Martin Parish. And, and we
2: talk about telemedicine like it, people understand what it is. But basically, a sick child or a teacher can video chat the doctor.
1: Very much so. So think telehealth. is We called it telemedicine, we now move to telehealth. And without funding from the USDA, from the Cox Family Foundation, I mean, this is hundreds of thousands of dollars we've raised so that these children uh, can be met where they are. Too many times these kids who go to school, um, perhaps they're on Medicaid, um, perhaps it's other government funding, they only go to see a doctor when it's absolutely and utterly necessary. And by that time
2: they spread it to other children, they spread it to other teachers.
1: And then they ended up in our emergency rooms which is the single highest cost of care delivery. And so what we decided was instead of having that happen, let's just go to them. And so now while they're in their, their, their classroom, if they start to not feel good, they can go down to the nurse's office or to the main office and be seen telemedically by one of our nurse practitioners or our physicians. And, and really it falls into how do we foster innovation in a community-owned, non-for-profit health system when we couldn't if we didn't have this mechanism.
2: Ryan one of the things that we pretty much all have in common is that as we get older our eyesight gets worse. I don't know what the actual statistics are but I figure most people over 15 need glasses. Presumably if you live in New York City it's easy to find an eye doctor than it is in Church Point but Church Point, Scott, Crowley and Rain are all an easy drive to Lafayette and then of course there's glasses you can buy at any drugstore. So is the success of Scott Eye Care Clinic really just a question of geography? Do people in Scott and Crowley and Church Point care so little about their eye health that they won't make the drive to Lafayette? Or is your success attributed to something else that's more to do with your personality and your business than your location?
3: Um, I, think it's, uh, I think it's all of the above. Um, a lot of patients tell me that um, they don't want to drive in Lafayette. Um, they hate the stoplights. They hate all of the traffic in Lafayette. Um, and they like being able to stop in Scott uh, to get their eyes checked, um, and you have to you have to consider too that um, these people, a lot of them can't see very well, and so the longer or farther they have to drive, the more at danger they are. So, so driving um, home they're
2: fine, but driving to you,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. So, um, I think uh, I think uh, a lot of it has to do with um, the location, um, and and. If you look on Google and Facebook, uh, we have five-star reviews, a lot of uh, five-star reviews. So, um, you know, I always strive to have the best experience uh, around here, and I think uh – we hang on to those patients that have seen us. So they might
2: come because of the geography, but mm-hmm. they stay because of the customer right, service. Right, exactly. Are you also getting more and more people driving from Lafayette to Scott? Because I see people ask the question, hey, can you recommend a good eye, doctor? And obviously we're in the same group of friends, but your name is the name that's put up there over and over again.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we get people from Lafayette. Uh, I would say it's it's more from the zip codes that are closer to Scott, usually. Um but uh, there, there's a lot of eye doctors in Lafayette, so um, you know, understandably, a lot of Lafayette citizens you know stay there. Uh, but we do get we do get we do get plenty of place, patients from Lafayette.
2: So when you name your clinic Scott Eye Care, does that stop you becoming a worldwide chain? Is that the plan, or is it to stay in Scott and always be Scott Eye Care? But does it stop you opening a branch in Lafayette?
3: Well, right now we're um, we're just concentrating on on the one location that we have. Um, and then uh, the plans in the next five or so years are to build our own because right now we, we lease a, uh, a space. Um, we, we hope to build our own clinic. Because right now a, you're
2: kind of in a strip mall.
3: Right, right. The plans are <laughs> to to have our own building. Um, and then after that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll look into acquiring other uh, maybe uh, older eye I, I clinics. Um, But right now, we're just focused on the one location and growing that.
2: So, you came into Lafayette General Foundation with a background in business. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you recommend that for everyone anywhere? Because it seems like your business sense is what's taken the foundation forward rather than being at philanthropy um, or knowing the medical field. Do you think business is that general grounding for everybody?
1: Philanthropy is a business, period. Okay. Um, it, it may be the business of getting people to buy into a mission and a vision. And so I would submit to folks that it's probably one of the hardest sales pitches you're going to make, which is give me your money so I can do things, right? So if you don't come back to them with a value proposition and say to them this is exactly when you give me your money, how I'm going to spend it and the change it's going to make, people will shy away. More and more you're seeing philanthropy become local. So people used to give to these big national firms, uh, big national philanthropies, and then their money would disappear into it. With a local philanthropy and really good local philanthropies like Lafayette General Foundation is. Um, For example. For example, just saying. Um, I can show you every dollar. If you give me that dollar, I can show you every dollar. And you can also
2: literally show people, you can call them back in and say, hey, do you remember that thing that you helped us with? Let's show you this. Well, I
1: I think overall people have to remember philanthropy is a business. Um, But... The other thing that differentiated, and once the foundation grew, and I've been honored to be able to hand the foundation now off to a new executive director, uh, Nancy Broadhurst, wonderful, wonderful woman, and a new v- executive, uh, Mr. Paul Mulbert, who's vice president at the system. They are now taking the traditional hospital philanthropy, but the other side of the the, you the get to foundation. Do the fun stuff now. now I get that's right. I get to do the fun stuff, which is investing in companies through our innovation fund, investing in real estate through our real estate development fund, as well as bringing in clinical trials for research and now we're truly talking about the the value proposition and the business proposition in order to grow a community-owned non-for-profit and in order to bring innovative services to the to the area you have to have those function in place and so I'm really honored to have taken on that new role.
2: You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Cian Robinson from Lafayette General Health System and Ryan Casares from Scott EyeCare. Ryan! You became a doctor and immediately opened your, uh, your eye clinic.
3: Well, actually, I worked for a year for a, a Dr. Miller out of Eunice. Um, he and a, and a partner, Dr. Gertis, had a clinic in uh, Kinder that they owned together. So I would work at each of their clinics and the one in Kinder. And that, that lasted a year, year and a half or so. And then um, I opened my own So you clinic.
2: went straight into business. Did you have any background in business?
3: No, not at all.
2: What did you learn that you weren't expecting to learn?
3: Um, I would say that uh, everything, (laughs) everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, from accounting and QuickBooks to managing uh, uh, staff to, uh, you know, HR to OSHA regulations. I mean, everything uh, that comes with it was, was all new material, but... Um, I, I'm, I've always been up for for a challenge, and, obviously, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I went for it, and it, it's worked out. So. And
2: also, with doing that, you also have a rock band mm-hmm. that have just released a new album, mm-hmm. and you're also very involved in the community with a, a thing called the 24 Hour Citizen Project, mm-hmm. where last year you created a project that now means that. People can borrow musical instruments from the library, just like checking out a book. They can check out a musical instrument.
3: Mm-hmm, correct. So, um, the Twenty Four Hour Citizen Project is a, a nonprofit organization run by uh, Butch Russell and um, he gathers community ideas, um, and they present a pitch at the event. Um, and basically, if if your pitch is you know winning over the crowd and the the and the in the, in the, in the, in the uh, backers. Um, They'll fund your event. So we were funded $5,000 to start the Musical Instrument Library. And uh, a year later, um, after a lot of work, it's uh, housed at the Clifton Chenier branch of the uh, Lafayette Public Library. And you can
2: just like walk in and check out a guitar?
3: Pretty much. I mean, if you have a library card, you can check out a guitar, a fiddle, an accordion, a lot of instruments.
2: So giving back to the community is an important side of you or your business? Do you see it as the same thing?
3: Uh, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I, I, I would say that um, getting myself out there, um, getting involved in the community was important to my business at first. Um, but being a lifelong citizen here, minus the four years I was in Houston for school, um, I feel like it's important to give back. Especially uh, being a musician, I know how hard it can be to uh, purchase an instrument. Um, and so to be able to try it before you buy it is uh, something I've always wanted to, uh, to give the community.
2: See, and you're obviously now look actively looking for innovation in the medical field. Do you find a problem and then look for a solution for it? Or do you sit in your office and put people call you with great ideas? Which way around does it work? So,
1: so it's yes. It's both. Um, one of the pe- my pet peeves is is a solution looking for a problem, right? <laughs> I have too many people who come to do that. Um, and we joke around that there are entrepreneurs in the world, but there are also entrepreneurs in the world. And our our responsibility is at the Innovation <laughs> Fund to
2: sort through, to which sort one's through the
1: manors and the entrepreneurs, right? And so when you're a solution looking for a problem, you fall into the, other category, the not so great category, and so what we love to do, and what I would do with this, the senior management of the organization, is say, "Give me your top three biggest problems that you need to have solved right now," um, and we sort past. Well, I need more money, or I, you know, I need more people, or I need. And then what we we try to figure out is okay, what's truly that underlying? And then I'm able to go out because there are really smart people in the world, and they're sometimes creating these three solutions that are <laughs> right now. I would, yeah, okay, i go with that, sure, ish, <laughs> maybe two and a half, no, um, Anyway, so you, they're, they're already creating the solutions, right? And so we don't have to have that internal skunkworks team. And people in the
2: medical field are well known for like, you know, they work out what they need and they, they take they things it. together and they mm-hmm. make it.
1: And they make it. Is
2: they're there a way for them to reach out directly to you and say, hey, we invented this new thing or we took this shortcut?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You could give me a call straight at the office uh, or you can email me and I'm sure we'll be able to put that information up somewhere or... You know, uh, if you call the main number at, at Lafayette General, uh, you know, they'll direct you right to my office if you have that widget that you think is the next greatest thing. Um, please understand that it's it's a process that you have to go through. But, you know, uh, you get people coming inbound, but we also have ideas that we need people to help us solve.
2: Right, and are you scared about innovation in your industry? What happens? I mean, I know now there's already apps where you can do an eye test on, you know, on an app and order the glasses straight online. And obviously, Warby, Warby Parker disrupted your business a few years ago. Um, are you? Do you embrace that, or does it terrify you?
3: Um, I think a lot of uh, optometrists are terrified of it, but um, you know, I, I think it's a good thing. Um, you know Warby Parker actually doesn't really have a profitable business model at this time, but I would like to be able to sell eyeglasses glasses to my patients for cheaper. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of the the expense of glasses has to do with uh, uh, Luxottica owning so many frame Yeah, one lines. company owns right. nearly it, everything. They have a global monopoly. Um, and so to have these disruptors, I personally think is a good idea. Uh, is a good thing for optometry. Um,
2: and you keep an eye, huh, to get that, keep an eye on what's happening <laughs> in those industries.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, we we talk about it all the time as a profession. I mean,
2: eventually will I be able to pick up my iPhone, take a picture of my eyes, send it to you, and you send me the right glasses?
3: Um, possibly. Uh, there are apps right now where you can get an eye test. Now, can you get an eye exam? No, not exactly. Um, there's a very important part of the, uh, the eye exam that's missing whenever you go through an app, and that's the actual health exam of the eye. So, um, you know, that, that's, where, that's where it's very much lacking at this time, and, that, and that's, that's kind of the scary part right now is, is are people going to bypass the
1: health exam to just get their contacts refilled? And Aileen, more and more, what's going on with stuff like Watson and IBM and artificial intelligence? I mean, we can have an, an X-ray or a CT or an MRI read, and with ninety-nine point nine nine percent accuracy, it can be it can come back, and that poor radiologist just they have to look at it very quickly and sign off on it. So there are aspects of the healthcare industry that are going to be. Um, Uh, replaced using using technology but the fact is is it challenges us in our business model and it challenges us to make sure that we're delivering the best quality of care for the lowest cost and so we have to embrace these innovations and yes it's going to cause some serious disruption
2: it's gonna be interesting CNN Ryan this is the part of the show that we call another great idea I'm not sure I should ask either of you this question Maybe you've got a friend like this, someone who's always got that great idea for you. They tell you about this job you should apply for or that guy you should have coffee with or a great investment opportunity you should jump on now. You can take advice like this and it turns out to be a disaster. You can dismiss this advice and miss out on something that might have turned out really great. Or you can take your friend's advice and it turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Do you have an example in your life or career of that friend who had a great idea for you? Did you take their advice? How did it turn out?
3: Yeah, I would say I I definitely have an example. Um, During my last year of optometry school, we do uh, rotations outside of the school. Um, And I did one in Dallas, where we served a very uh, impoverished population. And before each clinic day, um, the doctor who was the head there would give us a presentation um, different insights he picked up on throughout his years of experience, uh, and just different lessons, uh, ways to teach us uh, outside of the you know, didactic uh, uh, environment. And uh, one of the last lectures he gave was how to land a job after school. And after explaining you know, how you could work for uh, a corporate setting, such as America's Best or Walmart or independent <laughs> setting... He said, um, you know, why not open your own clinic out of school? You are, you're you're never going to have enough money, you're never going to have enough knowledge, (laughs) you're used to being broke, (laughs) so why not open it now? And I took his advice and now I've paid off my school loans and uh, I have a good, hopefully a good chunk of my retirement in uh, selling Scott Eye Care in the future. So. I'm very happy I followed his, his advice. That is great advice. And I'm very happy that it's, you know, that all of that hard work's behind me. I'm still, I still work hard, but that was a lot of, uh, of uh, blood, sweat, and tears for sure. So,
2: CN.
1: I, I think for me it was really two folks. Um, a gentleman by the name of Mike Hassett, who uh, is a dear friend of mine from Buffalo, New York. And then my wife. I came to a point in my career where I would worked for a lot of other folks and made them a lot of money. And uh, came to this confluence, uh, and it was both personal and professional, that it was time for me to go out on my own. And so um, with uh, Natalie's love and support, and Mike Hassett in one evening in a uh, tequila-induced, I guess, uh, epiphany, I founded Robinson Ventures. Uh, and have had that company now for about 20 years uh, and was very blessed that it, it created a management consulting environment and an investment environment where I was able to uh, have a great uh, life and income as well as learn how to go out and really look at uh, information technology companies and invest in and grow them. And so with you know, Mike's, uh, Mike's encouragement and Natalie's love and support, I was able to do that.
2: And, yeah, it led to where you are today.
1: I was able to retire at 42 and then, then go to work for UL for a little while and now working for a health system. And I hear so. your next
2: retirement plan includes teaching.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, that's a, not a
2: normal reply, retirement plan. <laughs> I'm going to teach at UL. That's... <laughs> Why not? So Why both not? of you are very successful, and I'm always, you know, I love to talk about branding and things. How important are values in your success?
1: they're key they're core if you don't have them you don't have anything I mean uh, you know um, but, and, and, and every, every uh, either being an employee of an organization where you have to believe in their values and their mission and their you know their purpose and to something if you're being an entrepreneur and you're creating it and you don't have that for your, yourself and your, your company that you're creating it's your true north
2: do you have your, your values written out or do you just know what they are Would you, do you want to share what they are
1: Yeah, so Lafayette General has an acronym, it's called Service. It's Supportiveness, Etiquette, Respect, Vibrancy, Integrity, uh, Communication, and Excellence. And so we have our, our core values right there.
2: And they're not just written out. You act on them every day.
1: Every single day. And, in fact, we sign off on them. You When you apply for a job at Lafayette General, you have to agree to those core values. While you're there, you agree to those core values. As a senior executive, I sign my name to the core values, and that is posted as a poster within the organization. It is a key and across the board. It is part of our... It's part of our culture.
2: Ryan, are your values integral to the business? Are they as, as official as that, or are they more kind of just they happen around you?
3: Well, we actually we have a mission statement, and it has our values listed on it. Um, if you asked me to recite it right now, um, I wouldn't be able to. But um, basically, um, we value uh, quality healthcare, quality eye exam, uh, and uh, we, we, we value that over a fast in and out. You know here's your glasses be on your way Um, and so we want to make sure we uh, express that to the patients that walk in uh, every single patient that walks in the door.
2: One of the advantages of living here in Acadiana is that smart passionate and talented people who are born and raised here want to stay and those people welcome outsiders who share their dedication to a decent life. When we're talking about the medical field, all of us become the beneficiaries of the work of a few individuals. Cian and Ryan, you are among the small collection of individuals who are making a big difference to our healthcare and therefore life itself in Acadiana. Thank you for everything you do and thank you both for joining me today on Out to Lunch
1: thank
3: you thanks for having us
2: my guests on Out to Lunch today have been Cian Robinson Executive Director of Innovation Research and Real Estate Investment at Lafayette General Health System and Dr. Ryan Cazares, owner of Scott Eye Care you can find out more about Lafayette General and Scott Eye Care by following the links on our websites krvs.org and itsacadiana.com the producer of our show is Grant Morris our technical producer is Eric Morell. our researchers are Anne Christian and Ali Coates If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsacadiana.com, and on our It's Acadiana Facebook page. These photos were taken by Lucius A. Fontenot. You can find out more about Lucius at lafphoto.com. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at itsacadiana.com. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsacadiana.com and krvs.org. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Marcello's Wine Market Cafe on Kelly's Saloon in Lafayette. Marcello's is open for lunch Monday through Friday and dinner Monday through Saturday, serving fine Italian cuisine with a full range of fine wines. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for It's Acadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM I'm Aileen Bennett. thanks for joining me today I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch
0: The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music Encore Monsieur Nice Guy is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud Out to Lunch Acadiana Business Consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, the Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escuday. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937, with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by Sheward & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Collie Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free wi-fi, and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants.